Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. podcast starts now. Hello, hi, and welcome all. If you can hear the sound of my voice, then guess what, Biatch? You're listening to Stradio Lab. That's wow. right. I'm bringing back Biatch in a big way. George, what do you think about that? What do you think about... Okay, is there, is, is there a book or article to be written about how each generation has their own... Um, strange alternative to bitch ours had biatch and then the younger one had binch oh sure and could you make some kind of argument that biatch arose out of the bush years somehow and binch (laughs) is a clearly obama era term uh yeah i think there could be a book about that i i see it now the the past present and future of bitch what do you think? So we, ha- I, 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 now I'm like, okay, what was before Biatch? Before Biatch. Oh, and you know what? I'll say this. I'm sorry to uh, ask a question and then immediately interrupt you, but I do think during the Biatch era, there was also Betch. There was Betch. And honestly, I, I wish I had done some more research before we started on this uh, deep well, topic because I'm trying to put the timeline together in my head. Yeah. And I and did I- give you advance warning, but go on. <laughs> I mean, I saw, I, I got the synopsis and I, I just didn't do the yeah. reading because I, I thought I could wing it. And, you know, this is very time specific. Um, so Betch, but Betch, uh, you know, kind of stayed around in, into the 2010s. Betch sure, was like, sure. 
Well, Betch, you know, it's interesting. Betch, I think, maybe is the bridge between Biatch and Binge because Betch to me was like, do you remember Betch's Love This? Yeah, that's still around. Well, sure. But <laughs> Betch's Love This was, a, you know, I feel like that was like early internet era and then it brought us into, uh, it is it is still around as, as you said, but it's al- almost auto nostalgic in a way <laughs> sure you know when when i think of betch i i think of like the let's get some shoes uh girl mm, yes absolutely and, and so to me it is it's early internet it's it's almost can i has cheeseburger of can i has cheeseburger is betch yeah <laughs> biatch is like um, biatch is like a sitcom like biatch, biatch is like is a, a sitcom, funny sitcom and then right and then it all led up to uh regina saying it on mean girls Mm. And then Biatch was officially over. That's when Biatch got mainstream. And and that's when Betch, that's when the Biatch crown was given to Betch. Betch took us through the early internet. And then Binch, it was like. Um, well, Binch is like, you know, it is streaming era where it's internet and it's sitcom. Right. And it's like well, the lines are blurred because Binch is mainstream and yet it's still niche. And so it kind of can't be destroyed in the same way that Biatch was by Mean Girls because it's just already popular and yet and underground. Binge, exactly. And, and then along those lines, Binch is also very like, it's ironic in a way that is taking any kind of teeth out of the word bitch like it is you're it is inherently jokingly saying <laughs> bitch it is acknowledging it's like, bitch, it's like saying bitch is problematic so i'm mm-hmm. gonna say bitch to make to babify it it acknowledges the trauma it yeah. acknowledges uh the, the 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 movements we've been making as a society right. and it says well let's let's still have a little fun but right. respectfully. <laughs> it's let's have a little fun, but let's also kind of sweep it under the rug. It's not offering an alternative. And I would say, much like kind of a lot of Obama era culture, binge is kind of like, oh, we don't do bitch anymore. He he he. And then it's like, okay, well then what's next? It's Trump. <laughs> sure. So you're saying we need to address it head on. We need to just get it, rid of it, binge, yes, biatch, bitch. Binge is cowardly in the way that like self-referential things like um, th- th- things that think that like by self-satirizing they're like absolving themselves of any guilt sure sure binge is the um fourteen hundred dollar stimulus uh which is plus the six hundred dollars equals the two thousands it's like yeah come on it's fine it's fine it's fine sure yes <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate okay to, well to interrupt. Oh, yeah oh, i hate oh, okay I hate I actually, I love to interrupt. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do. That's a lie. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of biznatch uh, erasure that is uh, currently, oh. I hate to add to the discourse, but biznatch was there first. Uh- <laughs> biznatch was there first. Yes. And I think, I mean, okay, let's not, you know, it's, it's, um, we, it's a conversation we have to have, but like, we do these, have to have things, this conversation. these things are these words are popular first of all there are so many conversations to be had around um you know which communities each of these terms originated in and then which communities popularized them but then biznatch is one of those things that maybe in our current era bench for a white person to say bench seems more harmless and more um you know less provocative than for a white person to say biznatch of course. But we are erasing the truth that white people were saying biznatch. Uh, 
and that is real yes. and we need to acknowledge that and you know not not obama era brush under the rug we need to address that White people were saying biznatch. Well, white people were saying biznatch in the Bush era. <laughs> then in the Obama era, it was brushed under the rug. And then now it is finally time to have a kind of... Okay, so to have a public reckoning with the fact that white people said biznatch, but do it in a, once again, Biden era safe and toothless way. So it's okay. kind of... It's let's it's me writing an op-ed about how I'm coming out as formerly having said biznatch <laughs> and then people congratulating me. But it's like... But then I get a book deal out of it, and mm-hmm. I am a white person. That's that's the era we're in now. <laughs> well, George, I mean, congrats on the book deal. Thank you. I deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, our guest already popped in, and I feel as though once that curtain is open, you can't close the damn curtain. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We've I, never in this podcast been able to close a curtain. In fact, we keep opening curtains. <laughs> we yeah. keep opening curtains. Um, to the point where it really is a mess. Yeah, it, it, we're exposed in every single angle, and it's it's unflattering. It's it's especially at night when the lights are on, everyone can see right. us. Um, and yet, there are always more curtains. It's almost like the more curtains we pull back, the more uh, the least the less exposed we are because we're covered in more curtains. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, Solomon, <laughs> what do you think? Um, sh- is any you know is any of this usable? <laughs> um, honestly, really, my issue here is that there are no curtains visibly, and that is really the part that hurts me the most. I understand that it's not; it's just you know hyperbole of some sort. Right. I but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm when we speak of curtains, I want to see curtains. Uh, right. Well, it has been discussed that my interior decoration situation is abhorrent, and I should be jailed for it. But. Um, <laughs> But but yes, there are, there are no curtains anywhere to be found. You know, it's uh, well. Also, please um, welcome to the podcast, <laughs> Solomon Giorgio. Hello, hi. Hello. You know, I did. I that's such a formality that I just feel like we have to get out of the way so that we can just have the natural conversation that wants mm-hmm. to happen. Of course. Um, I, what I wanted to say, um, where I forcibly had to introduce you very quickly because I had a point that I wanted to respond to, which is my apartment also looks shitty and also has nothing on the walls, but no one ever points it out. Multiple times people point out how hideous and bare George's walls are, but mine also are pretty bare from this angle. I mean, obviously, when you turn, everything is gorgeous over here. There's Oh, there's art, there's plants, but you can't see that here. And no one's called okay, that out. calm down. There's like one thing on the wall. <laughs> okay, you, you know, I spun it very... I'm, I'm all tied up to the wall, so I can't really spin my sure. computer properly, but... See, I feel a little bad because I'm only showing you my spare room uh, mm. and not my nicest room. Uh, and and I got that sense. <laughs> you know, when we, when we saw the weights in the background, we said, this is a spare. This is a spare room. There is large pieces of art here. Uh, that's what I'm known for is my large pieces of art. Mm. Um, <laughs> this one is just, I believe, just a popsicle melting. Oh, it's a popsicle melting. And an, is it a French flag? No, it's an American popsicle. Good question. Who's the artist? I have no idea. We'll never look it up. Uh, <laughs> Where did you get that giant print of a popsicle melting? From a website called giantart.com. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but so, Solomon, <laughs> giantart.com might be the straightest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> to, I, to go on giantart.com and order a, a print of a melted popsicle. Whatever events you think occurred for me to look up giant art, <laughs> such as typing the words giant art into the internet, that's exactly what happened, and that is how I've gotten this painting. <laughs> so just to be clear, this is a real website, not a riff or a bit that you're making up. 
Not at all. Uh, my wow. life is better than the jokes that I can make up. <laughs> <laughs> one time, someone one time someone I knew um, posted that she was pregnant, and it was a comedian. And I commented something along the lines of like, uh, you know, congrats. Like parentheses, thought it was something about like thought it was a joke at first because she's you know like. It, she would post like a joke like that. Whatever. And then she responded completely earnestly. No, like all great comedy, it comes from truth. <laughs> and I was like, huh? <laughs> no, comedy can come from absolute farces and lies. That's comedy is not subject to only truth. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I firmly believe that some of the best comedy is a straight up lies. You've always said that. <laughs> <laughs> you, I think if, your, I think your comedy is based more in lies, and my comedy is based more in truth. And that's kind of where we differ. No, no, no. I, I, you know, I can play truth. I can play lies. I just think we shouldn't limit ourselves. You know. See, my comedy is just a long game of two truths, one lie. I just. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You have built a career. You've built a career on just constantly saying tr- two truths and one lie. It's just the kind of life you want to live. You want to maintain some sort of karmic balance in the universe. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> like, Speaking of karmic balance, um, there are uh, weights behind you, and I, I kind of mm-hmm. pointed them out, and you said, yeah, well, I don't use them, but I have them. As listeners of the podcast know, I recently, for the first time in my life, got a lesbian trainer, and I am I, I have no muscle mass on my body, and I said, maybe now is the time to, you know, in fact, see what the fuss is all about. <laughs> what has your experience been using those giant weights? Well, see, well, first of all, I said I didn't use them, which is also, that was the lie that I told. That was the, um, yeah, I caught I, that. I use them very regularly. I just don't want to intimidate other people. Um, <laughs> personally with me and lifting weights, uh, it's really been a very easy journey. They, they're they pretty feather light. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and as you can tell, my muscles are gigantic and mm-hmm. uh, I've had, never had any issues whatsoever uh, moving uh, and aging by any means. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, I've, uh, no, I'm just learning. I'm slowly becoming comfortable with, uh, lifting weights. And I, um, I've recently, uh, done stuff with my body, uh, such as, um, not drink every single night and do massive amounts of cocaine. Uh, so that kind of, uh, has put me in this place of having a heart that can, uh, beat, uh, in a regular pattern. Uh, so I've been, I've been able to move. <laughs> Is that a quarantine habit? Sure. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to give. I don't want to give the pandemic any credit. It doesn't deserve mm, it. That's sure. True. Um, you know, Solomon. It's interesting the timing that you are on this podcast because I was thinking about exactly one year ago, roughly, <laughs> exactly roughly one year ago. Um, we were out and about at Webster Hall at a big fun party and I did Molly and I'd never done it before. And, um, it's funny to think about that, uh, one year later. And oh my God. We like, remember we recorded after that and you talked about, that was like one of our pre pandemic episodes. <laughs> it's true. We were, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, it's really dark. It's really dark to think about. And you know, I bring that up and I think, Oh, this will be fun and playful to bring up. Sure. sure. And then it's like, Oh, but it's absolutely not, not, not it's at all. Not, it's not at all. And in fact, I, th- I've only, I've no, known of solomon and been a fan of his for a very long time but i've only ever met him in person once i think and it and we were at a diner which is another kind of classic pre-pandemic um activity (laughs) that you used to be able to do (laughs) 
But I will say it was one of those experiences where it was like 1 a.m. and everyone ordered the most chaotic possible. People were like, I'll have breakfast. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) If I can be fully, uh, you know, chaotic, hot take culture, etc. I hate the diner, the late night diner experience. Whoa. I hate it. it. It stresses me out. Like... I I want like maybe a to go food that you eat on the street, but I do not want a sit down like have a waiter with eight like semi drunk people like yelling different things. See, I love chaos, uh, and uh, chaos comes from diners. Do you like your experience? Like my experience, like my personal experience with diners, it's usually pretty sane and safe. I try to keep things simple because you don't want to ruin a waiter's night. However, the chaos around you—that's the kind of stuff I'm there for. I'm there to see a fight. I'm there to see a yeah. breakup. I'm there to see a divorce. I'm here to observe the wild, the wilderness that is human humanity. And the other thing with diners late at night, I think, is that there is a the the barrier between back of the house and front of the house gets a little blurred. Where suddenly you'll be a little tipsy, and you're like, "I'm going into the kitchen," <laughs> or like someone will order something and it's not coming, and then you'll go and kind of like talk to the waiter, and the waiter will be like, "Excuse me, ma'am." We're now in. We're now in the bathroom. Like we're now not <laughs> where you're supposed to be. And um, th- it, there's something about a late night diner when there aren't a lot of people there, where it's like, this is where the interesting stuff happens. Yeah, I want to be at the place where somebody who spent the whole night making progressively worse choices yes. ends up, and that <laughs> is the diner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That I mean. One day we'll all be at a diner again at <laughs> oh, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And I'll be upset about it, but I'll be putting on a smile because, you know, what am I going to say? No, be the grump that doesn't go to the diner. Look, and I'll be having the best time of my life. I won't be wearing my shoes and I'll be having. <laughs> God, we are having it's it's there is such a, an undertone of sadness to this conversation because we are just like mentioning old things that happened before the pandemic. And I, I feel that this desperate need to try to say something funny, but it's like. God, how sad. I mean, it really, it's been a year. Well, let's be honest. Gay people own sadness better than anyone else. We I are. know. There we I go. Know. It's true. There but we you go. have to make it interesting. <laughs> I Often when I'm sad and it's not interesting, that can be the worst of all. Oh, my God. I think about this a lot. When I'm in a bad mood and it's just kind of for no reason at all, I'm like, well, great. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? I just have to wear this around? Whereas when you're, like, crying and then you're like, I'm going to look in the mirror. Yes! Now that's... <laughs> When oh, you're yes. sad and it's like a bit of a performance, yes. yes. Oh yes, I think I think we've we're all well prepared to uh, deal with trauma and sort of celebrate in the glamour of it. <laughs> right. Well, there's nothing worse than when trauma does not have glamour. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm gonna have to stay indoors and keep myself a secret. Never been there before. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> when well, we were saying with Sydney a few episodes ago that like. A gay pandemic would be you <laughs> would be that you catch it indoors, and that the safest thing to do is for everyone to be constantly out. And it's like you shame people for being indoors. It's like <laughs> certain people. It's like gays over COVID, but it's like I saw chat. You know, uh, <laughs> Nathan like at home on <laughs> like his cooking a, a dinner, <laughs> cooking a dinner when we were supposed to be in the club, according to Dr. Fauci. <laughs> Honestly, it felt like that way with my friends before the. <laughs> No, it's very true. That is true. That is true. I mean, you know, this joke has been made, but it is just like in the beginning, I was like, oh, God, what a great deal. Like it's considered morally good to stay indoors. 
Yes. But it, but now, you know, <laughs> it's hindsight is 2020. <laughs> uh, yeah. Going back to the uh, sadness thing, I think it's um, one of my favorite things is to be sad. Like, like I was recently uh, sad in Palm Springs and I Ooh. and I was like, now this is glamorous to oh be my like God. by He's a pool, sad. fully clothed, yeah. like just wanting to cry. And, oh, heaven. Come on. <laughs> I I um very memorably read the entirety of a little life on a beach vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm familiar. Ugh. Um but but also it's like the idea that to be in like a celebratory environment or to be in like a wedding or in a baptism or let's say a bar mitzvah and be like the one sad person. That's powerful. Oh, I've I've never done that. And I feel <laughs> like I'm waiting for my moment. I want to go big. I want it to be something like I'm performing at the Super Bowl where I decide yes. to be this set. <gasps> oh, this is truly the dumbest. Okay, Katy Perry <laughs> in, in the Part of Me documentary when she uh, is crying right before being lifted up on stage, that is why she's a queer icon <laughs> oh my god not this again that is no. look that is the right time to be sad and then immediately turn around and smile and okay maybe is- you know what then maybe, maybe then sam what's missing for my what i don't get about katie bear is that i need to watch the documentary you actually it it made her make so much sense to me because i was a katie perry hater and you know i i think to be a, a sensible person in this day and age you should be a slight katie perry hater i think that's beautiful yeah. but i think you do need to watch the documentary because she also is kind of a katie perry hater in a way that's like okay this is cool there's something here that i is kind of new and i don't understand well, I think for me, it was very immediate. Like, there's a certain level of self-hate that you have to have in order to date someone like Russell Brand. Like, yeah. there's, like, there's a, there's a, there's, she obviously thinks less of herself than, than any of us could think of her. Because <laughs> <laughs> even yeah. us, even if we didn't like her, we weren't like, Russell Brand, that's who you should date. Right, I would never, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I mean, I, <laughs> maybe I think her songs are a bit cliche, but I still want her to have a good relationship and a good life. <laughs> Uh, no, it's a very moving uh, documentary. It's really good. Um, but with that, I do feel we should do our first segment because I Let? simply don't know how to pivot off of Katy Perry's <laughs> groundbreaking documentary. Sam, uh, do you want to explain how this works? So, Solomon, this uh, segment is called Straight Shooters, in which it's a segment where we ask you a series of rapid-fire questions mm-hmm. to gauge your uh, familiarity with straight culture. You know, we mostly just ask you A or B, and you just kind of pick one. Um, and so, George, do you want to kick us off? Sure. <laughs> Solomon, the banality of evil or the mysteries of Laura? B? Solomon, <laughs> Breaking Bad, Making the Band, or The Taking of Pelham 123? Breaking Bad. Jojo Siwa or Wawa Wiwa? <laughs> you dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Wawa Wiwa. <laughs> okay. Jamie Foxx, Ethan Hawke, Larry Bird, or Seal? Larry Bird. Um, 
the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, Maxim's Hot 100 issue, or Harry Styles obliterating gender norms by wearing a Gucci dress on the cover of Vogue? Um, Maxim Hot 100. Mm. Okay. Employee discount or an employee miscount of the inventory leading to their inevitable firing? <laughs> employee miscount of the inventory leading to their inevitable firing. American Beauty, American Express, or American Imperialism? American Imperialism. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse J, Lucy Lou, Uh-oh. or Juicy Juice? <laughs> <laughs> Lucy Lou. Wow, this beautiful. Is, I have to say, I, it's, it's, I realize this more and more every time we do this segment. This is the most selfish possible segment because under the guise of trying, of like, this is an interactive segment where we like invite our guests to decide something. All we're doing is showing off that we can rhyme things and make funny combinations <laughs> like there is no way for the guest to get a laugh or like to to, <laughs> to say something unexpected they just have to repeat back to us in fact something we feel so self-satisfied about coming up <laughs> no george you are painting it in a bad light it is uh it, we it's not like we're being it's so lame we're just making things rhyme we're not being like look how smart we are it's sort of like look how dumb we are it's sort right. of like let down your guard Honestly, it's really the self-indulgence of the queer community should be respected and appreciated for its art. Uh, and that's why I'm happy to participate in anything that further explores that. I mean, if there's anything that sells uh, that, that celebrates self-indulgence, it's giantart.com. <laughs> <laughs> I have that print in my living room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would love if you had a piece that, that was that big that just said giantart.com. I was literally... <laughs> Uh, you don't just buy the logo, it saves time. Hi, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, Sam. <laughs> so, Solomon, I don't know how familiar you are with our podcast, but um, we always go back and forth on, one, we talk about the whole thing while we make it, and two, um, we go back and forth on whether or not we are, in fact, rating our guests on that segment. George, what do you think? I think that... Solomon did a great job. Mm-hmm. I think there could have been more drama in his answers. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to say the exact same thing. I think he was rushed. And mm. I think, you know, I was sort of like, okay, does he have another like appointment? Like, I, I don't know what sort of Zoom he has after this. Um Right. Well, for me, this, like I said, this segment is about me hearing the sound of my own voice. And I think the wh- how I know if someone's doing a good job, as a guest is doing a good job, is if he or she can somehow uh, shock me out of kind of, you know, my own um, obsession with myself as I'm speaking. And in fact, all I could hear was my words being repeated back to me. <laughs> Solomon care to comment. Um, <laughs> honestly, if you want my opinion of Solomon is that he really was trying too hard in the moment. Um, he could have definitely uh, relaxed a little bit, just cared a little bit more about what was being said to him. Um, and honestly, I feel like he hasn't done anything to either compliment you two uh, so far into the uh, podcast. And I should honestly, if I was listening, I would just cut him out uh, completely. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> so if, if you if could you're... just. The sound of silence for those moments between your conversations should be enough to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we have a really, really good editor, um, so we can sort of instruct them to uh, 
release maybe a solomon list edit um oh god if you can i would (laughs) (laughs) if you can do that for a few of my comedy tapes as well i would really appreciate that if i can get a solid 30 minutes of silence that would make me very (laughs) how do you feel about hearing the sound of your own voice in general um to be honest i was being very um uh god what's the word i'm looking i was being uh self-deprecating i'm not i don't do it very often uh And no, in all honesty, I think I am pretty amazing in in every sense of the word, and especially <laughs> my voice and the control that I have over it, especially when it comes to infliction. It's really, honestly, really my pride and joy. So, yeah. Wow. Well, do you would you say you have that one of those voices where, when you were younger, parents would be like impressed with you? Oh yes, I was the kind of I was first of all I was the uh, sort of like the 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 ambassador to my family i i uh like when i grasped english faster i was uh i had i had the best penmanship so i and so i was was a kid that uh was like this is my family i am their representative let's have Mm -hmm. a discussion what would you like to say to the elder georgios is kind of who i was as a child wow uh that's I was the complete opposite. I would like be, I was like, obviously different backgrounds and et cetera. But uh, (laughs) I was just like always silent as a child. I didn't speak until I was about 19. Um, Uh, Yeah, I was always hiding. And you still have that about, you still have that sometimes where you shut down. So you didn't speak at all until you were 19? Well, I was like. (laughs) Or read or write. (laughs) Yeah, it took a while. I did video game as hard as I could, but I didn't speak. Uh, that's that's um, a form of expression yeah uh yeah do you feel like you were more um uh, you were more drawn to the written word as you revealed in the last episode you did win an essay contest for writing a pro bush essay when you were in eighth grade <laughs> <laughs> you know i don't feel like i was drawn to the written word i don't think that essay was good i knew if i <laughs> No, no, but you know what? You did what you had to do. You said, I know my audience. They want pro Bush. Look, I made a hundred bucks. That's that was a lot of money as an eighth grader. I feel like this speech might have been plagiarized. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> he actually plagiarized George Bush's speech. It actually was the a direct plagiarization. Okay. <laughs> word for word, the axis of evil speech that George Bush famously gave um, in order to sell the Iraq war. Honestly, you can easily resell any of George Bush's speeches back to him. It's on, that's the smartest thing to have done. Well, first of all, as we've realized, uh, you know, during the Obama and Trump eras, people have a very short memory with these things. So you really yes. can just kind of recycle direct policies, arguments, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, even misleading things that have been proven false. You can actually just repeat after about five years. Of course. I, well, I think the issue here is that people, when you say short memory, I think they just don't retain the information at all it requires a memory to be involved right. i think what occurs is that it's uh, thrown out and then just completely over everyone's yeah. head yeah which is a very american thing like i think um other countries know their own history <laughs> i would like to say that retaining information is not an american quality <laughs> yeah that's what that's what it is it's like it's, it is actually just kind of a sea of information and occasionally it'll graze past you or it'll it'll touch you and you'll say, ow, I don't want that. You know, I, that's not for me. No, thank you. Um, and then you kind of move on. And, and so the information is out there, but it's not um, being internalized in any in any real way. Oh, yes. It's, it's really impressive. It's like it's the same like electoral college that's been here for hundreds of years, yet no one knows how it works. And that's like it's really the information's available, but no one wants any of it. Right. 
it is um it's me googling the rules of football before the super bowl every exactly. year <laughs> but for things like war and um <laughs> and its quality just a general history of your own country uh, yeah yeah i mean 100 percent. here's here's like, how i feel I, like there's americans who forget the own capital city of the state they live in oh 100 <laughs> yeah. percent. but then they think but then they're like <laughs> and yet they retain the belief that they are the most american possible person mm-hmm. they could ever be yes okay me dragging republicans <laughs> Yeah, this is groundbreaking shit, man. Oh, oh I thought we were God. just dragging Americans. <laughs> we oh, haven't oh, even started on Republicans. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> See, already I want to, I, I want to um, distance myself from this. I'm like, oh yeah, that's Republicans. Democrats, of course, do know their history. <laughs> the whole way through. It is the electoral college specifically is that thing where every four years it's like, oh my God, wait, 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 we forgot to do something about that. Like, what is going mm-hmm. on? Do like, you know what else? Like, that, like voting uh, election day being on a Tuesday. Remember when at one point after Obama was elected, I think it was like maybe his like literally like, like acceptance speech when he was first elected. He said it was like an applause line where he was like, thank you, everyone, to for, you know, like lining up on a week, you know, on a weekday. And then he's like, by the way, we're going to have to change that. And then everyone like burst into applause and then he never did anything. No. No, and he's not the first to have said that. It is very, no, really, no, no, no. it's impressive. Honestly, the amount of times history has repeated itself and the results are the same. It's very, yeah, yeah. See, I'll, that's what I'll give other countries is that there's always, even if it's an, if it's the same thing again, it's a new flavor. <laughs> right. There's more variety, which it's is not the same kind of dictator as the last dictator. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> What makes someone? What do politicians get out of it? This oh, today? No, no. I mean, like today, I was like, okay, wait, but why are they still doing this? Like, I can't think of any worse job than being like a random senator. <laughs> like, is that why George? You're giving me. I'm like, used I'm to go to open like comedy open mics. <laughs> well, at least people like. At least no one's like attacking me every fucking day. Like. I, I really don't understand. You just get like pummeled by uh, critique, do nothing, get paid like a lot. But like, is it worth it? I don't get it. Um, if you're telling me if it's worth getting paid a lot of money to do next to nothing, I, I really, truly do not understand how you don't see the benefit of that. I would have to they, they have to like go to meetings still. They're just they like literally <laughs> get half the year off. I There's oh. nothing but benefits. There's almost, they get 200 days off in the Senate. You, they also, you get to Is be a true? celebrity without having I a talent. So, yeah. They get, wow. they get pretty much half the year off in the Senate. They're not, they're not doing anything <laughs> no they're not i mean if, if, if politicians were the original influencers in that they are <laughs> you know it's like this hack where you can be a celebrity without having any talents and and also um just like coast on name recognition yeah okay well, and see this is why i asked the question like this is the information i want to know <laughs> yeah well there you go i mean <laughs> well here's the thing is that there's there's some of us who probably did debate when we were younger and then they were like do you want to go national do you want to do it in college and the rest of us go why would we ever want to do that and these are the kids that went and did that because it was it was a because it, it it was a labor of uh of hate uh and yes, it, it, labor gave of them, hate. it gave them a skill set that was completely unnecessary which is bullshitting their way through something that sounds intelligent uh <laughs> and honestly it's Look, and you say it's unnecessary, but it's like, is it maybe the only necessary skill? I'm going to say no. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess not if you're a doctor, but I do think in general, you know, if more people were taught the skill of bullshitting your way through a statement, that actually is more uh, important than trigonometry. But at the end of the day, if my face ends up being on money for doing almost nothing, then fuck it. Yes, let's do this. I hope to be that famous. <laughs> what if your face ends up being on money, but it's because you're a successful comedian and writer? <laughs> I would be so upset that I had to work my ass off to be on money. I want to be on money for doing the least amount of stuff and usually based on uh, perversion of the, sto- of the stories of the stuff I've done. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to be on money because I've done so little and yet there's been, and somebody made something up that's great that I did and everyone believes it. That's why I want to be on money. I don't. <laughs> Would you rather be on a high bill or a low bill? Like, would you... <laughs> I think this is a good question. George, you're laughing at me, but I think this is a good question. I want to be on the half penny, okay? Okay, half penny. (laughs) I want them to create a number, a denomination lower than a penny. And it's it's specifically annoying because it's too much change you end up getting out of it. I want something that doubles people's change Mm. because I was invented as a form of money. Interesting. Solomon coin. (laughs) I... Look, if I'm going to be dead, I want to be cumbersome. All right? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's like a special new kind of money that's like marbles that actually are really bad, like don't fit in pockets and constantly fall everywhere and people are um, tripping on them. Um, and they also are worth nothing. Well, that's the thing is that I feel like if you're going to be dead, try to find a way to be more annoying than you were in life. And that is yes. like if you love me and you want, you're holding on to my memory, I'm going to make sure it's not going to be worth it. <laughs> that's hard <laughs> someone who thinks about um leaving behind like um being forgotten um i definitely i don't i'm not too concerned about being forgotten or remembered i just definitely want i just i want somebody to um better their lives because they knew how shitty i was or they're they're like i did something so terrible to them after my death that they had to become a better person and i don't think you do that by like giving them money like that makes their lives better without any work i want them to do it on their own Mm. like like if they want my money, they'd have to like get like a giant like stuffed version of me with an erect penis mounted to their wall. <laughs> a stuffed version with an erect penis. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you had like, a stuffed like, version of yourself with not an erect penis, that would be so I, offensive. It's like the only non-soft part of it. It's like a stuffed animal, and the only non-soft part is like a rock-hard penis. <laughs> That is actually filled with uh, your Solomon coins, the half penny. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like I want to have like those the flying squirrel skin just just to make sure, just oh. just to finish it off. Oh yes, yes. Huh. huh. Well, should we go into our topic? <laughs> I actually think we should go into our topic. Um, and to be honest, I'm completely blanking on what it is. Okay, so it is Solomon. Do you want to introduce it? Oh, hi. Yes, hi. My name is Solomon George. I'm now part of the pa- the podcast. Uh, I guess uh, doing the work uh, and the labor. Thank uh, you for doing the work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to be the po- the topic is uh, mixology. Mixology. You suggested, and I just thought, what a great. I mean, truly, is a it's a quintessential straight topic. What is your experience with mixology? I feel like every time somebody's ever said they're a mix, I've because I've worked in service industry and like like anyone else would say bartender, even like the queerest queer would be like I'm a bartender, but mixologist is like a this is very specific like wax mustache sort of persona, yeah. 
like I like it. Like I'm a mixologist. I do magic at night as well. Close up magic. And that's a kind of person you're breathing life into somebody who's right. concerned about the craft of cocktail. Yeah. And it's, this is a lot of our straight topics uh, kind of deal with this, which I think is someone who like doesn't quite have a personality and is sort of grasping at straws. And I think mixology a lot of times is one of those straws that people grab oh, yeah. where it's like, I don't really know what I like, but this is like, makes me feel like I have something. So I'll just like learn a lot about this. Well, it also, it's like a misplaced, it's misplaced energy. It's someone that wants either control over something or wants to have an artistic talent or fetishizes some weird nostalgic, like, you know, prohibition era uh, environment or something and um, is living a lie. Yeah, yeah fetishize yeah. the 90s like the rest of us. Yeah, seriously. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like yeah, anybody who's trapped in this concept of the 20s and bathroom gin, it is the 20s now, but like this whole like, like ah, what I'm doing is like I'm a bad guy. I'm a bad boy. I'm making mixed drinks. I'm like, I don't think you understand what, uh, <laughs> like I, I'm glad you found the one and only era where it was technically illegal to make drinks. Uh, right. But- <laughs> <laughs> it's the epitome of someone, of someone that doesn't have any, um, doesn't have any difficulty in the world like that is part of the dominant group of people being like when did i not have rights oh right (laughs) drink alcohol and alcohol was outlawed like that is the only thing they can point to and they have to hook into it knee deep and it's like this is this is when we did a lot this is when when this when the greats did stuff and you're like i assure you that they were just as boring as we are now they just (laughs) had to go into a basement to get their booze (laughs) There has not been enough repenting for the like micro fashion trend of people dressing like they are old timey in like the mid 2000s. Well, the thing is that it's not done with any class. It's not done with like nice material. It's it's like it's like you're going to if you're going to do drag, get it yeah. get it done. Just like you like you do it right. Like dress up. Like it's Right. Yes. Like Imagine I'm, doing drag and it's like okay, you're Oliver Twist. <laughs> that's who you're that's who you're deciding to be when you're occupying a different uh, personality or you know a different look and honestly like no one should be proud that they have the ability to regularly drink gin like that is right. <laughs> like, like you have to either you're the oldest queen in the world or you're a young straight man it doesn't make any sense to, like, like it's not a pride it's like it's, it's it's your last resort is what it what it is it's a thing that you've you failed through every alcohol that you ended up with gin. <laughs> wow, interesting. Sam, are you a gin drinker? You know, I, I do. I love a gin martini. Um, Misha's got me hooked on them. I, re- I made the switch from vodka to gin martinis in the last year. I, they're, they're a toxic little drink. Um, are you vodka, Solomon? Oh, see, I was drinking gin before I stopped drinking because uh, okay. I, I've also went through everything and then I was down to the gin drinks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. So this is more of an autobiographical narrative. Yeah, I'm telling my own story, but in a way that's uh, not involving me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, is the, that, that is the dream of the 2020s. <laughs> we, yeah. It's... 
I used to hate gin. If we're talking about if we're talking about gin, <laughs> is this the lamest thing to talk about? I'm just no, like gin in it. Bring it. In. I mean, we're talking mixology. We're talking mixology, but yeah, I think the part like I like a gin martini because it's like yeah, this is simple. This isn't mixology. This is just like this is like a drink. Like yes, it's a little you bit of this, to- a little bit of that, and on your way. I do think there's. I I had to go through the the process of getting into fancy, of getting into that kind of stuff to then be like, okay, no, all I want is a simple drink. Like I remember going to those bars in you know, I don't know, however many year, years ago, and where you would like go to the bartender bartender and be like, I want something that reminds me of the smell of the ocean, and then they would like make like that was the I gimmick. Of that part, but, like, that so what are you thinking? And then. You just and then they would like let you speak for one second too long just so you could embarrass yourself. You'd be like, yeah, I guess like something with whiskey. I like sour and maybe and then they just like stare at you. And you're like, so may, maybe, uh, you know, honey in there. And they're like, <laughs> OK. Yeah. See, think that's the thing for me, the rule. Like, that's why those bars just take. They, first of all, I do not want to wait for an aggressive amount of time for alcohol. That is a disrespect. Like you're wasting my time, which is the most important amount of time to waste. Uh, so when he like when somebody's they're like ordering like making multiple cocktails and i'm just like what am i doing why am i like it, like and i just feel like it, at, at a certain point in time when you're out in public in a bar setting your drink should only have two ingredients it should right. only, that's all like i feel like if you're going to be enjoying these mixed cocktails of with like with like these are things you can learn to make yourself and treat yourself at home before you go out to the public where you should just be ready to go Yes, mixology should be a private. <laughs> mixology, I, my feeling about Look, mixology is uh, it's kind of like a homophobe talking about yes, what you do in your own house. Whatever you find in your own home, whatever what you do behind closed doors is none of my business. Like if you want to beat up egg whites and put them in your drink, go for it. I just don't want to be in the same room. <laughs> God, I, I mean, I have to say, as much as I, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, but then I. I miss so much the drama of a, every once in a while getting a fancy cocktail. And it's just something that is no longer available to us to see some idiot be like mixing something, then putting it in a container, then putting it in a different container with ice, then putting it in the first container, then like taking a little bit of it with a straw and being like, yep, sounds, tastes good. I just, that's the thing is that they, they don't really look like they enjoy their job but because they're so smarmy. That's the thing. Oh, is they're if, in a bad mood. If mythology didn't come with any smarm, like then I would be perfectly content if there was just a little bit of like a hey yeah that's a that's a great cocktail but it's more along the lines of like oh, yeah you you want a cocktail I'll get you, I'll show this was actually a drink that was uh, originated in the 1920s in a in a back house in New Jersey and you're like I don't fucking care I just fucking well, pour the drink this is how you one up them you know you order that cocktail they give it to you and then you go Ugh, this is way too sweet these I hate <laughs> when they make these drinks too sweet oh my god yes that's I mean that their heads will explode. <laughs> Calling something too sweet is like the cruelest thing you can do to a mixologist. Or going back and ordering again. I mean, like, do you have anything less sweet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't. Why is it so sweet? (laughs) A lot of people like you. I mean, you probably make it because a lot of people like the sweet drinks. But I actually, I. Mm -hmm. And it's also like there's like five liqueurs in it. So there's like, yeah. (laughs) And they can't, but they can't say the thing they want to out loud in their head. (laughs) I I also think the scientification of things is a very like you okay I just thought of a point <laughs> <laughs> oh my god in he's doing way, it in the way that like the wellness industry infuses 
kind of snake oil with scientific jargon, jargon, mixology is one of the male versions of that. It's kind of like that along with like life hacking and things like that. It's like calling it mixology makes it seem like something different than literally mixing various liquids together. It's calling it, they're treating it like it's a form of science. And I assume that they, some of them truly believe that with their whole heart. And they're like, they're going out there being like, I'm going to make the next great mixed beverage. And it's like, that's a great aspiration to have, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's a form of science. It's like, sir, yeah, great for you. You figured out that orange liqueur and vodka work well together. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Something sweet covers up something nasty tasting. That's exactly what you're doing. And that's perfectly fine, but let's not, let's not treat it. Yeah. It's also just like the, the, like a gay bar, you are never having like, a difficult cocktail. And so when you are having a difficult cocktail, you're like, I'm in a straight place at worst, a queer friendly place at best, but never like a queer place. Well, what it is, is that it's making up for the fact that no one in that bar is saying or doing anything interesting. So you have to create an environment around the drink so that people have something to talk about so that people so they can people be like oh my god this is good do you want to try some wait this is i love is that basil <laughs> it's like is at least it's a topic of conversation i mean it's these people that are on the verge of suicide and they're like this is our one final night out like i'm literally gonna divorce my husband tomorrow <laughs> and but before that i at least want to try this new uh this new bar that has the basil drink see that's the the thing with the danger with mixology that needs to be acknowledged and it needs to be confronted is that it's proximity to white people playing jazz and that is Mm. it's literally right next to it it's gonna happen within moments it's uh if you show up to a place that has a mixologist within the hour where you're gonna see a white person pull out a bass and you're gonna be like this is what the evening's gonna be (laughs) when that happens when you like slowly (laughs) People pull out instruments and you realize there's nothing you could do like you've just ordered that can be one of the most sad things i mean talk about the glamour of sadness <laughs> oh god when i mean you... the worst one is when they're just putting up a mic and mm-hmm. it's like oh no That's i'm good. having a fun night or thought i was and now there's gonna be a damn comedy show right here <laughs> yeah oh, no, no 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 that's gonna happen that that place that Mixologists will also guarantee stand-up comedians. Of oh, hundred percent, and not e- not not even like the fun ones. This is like a year in. I've been telling the same rape joke for the last two months, and you're gonna hear it tonight. <laughs> there is nothing coming. worse than a comedy show at a fancy bar. It is one of the worst combinations of things. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's wow. disruptive. It and is. It is. Honestly, if I if anyone wants to book me and anyone, this is all over. I'll happily do it. Uh, <laughs> okay. I mean, Julie, as I, I was like, God, what I wouldn't give. Well, I know. I was like, damn, I miss shows. But... I'm like going through my worst memories, and I'm still like, oh wow, that was a good time. I know. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that so dark? They even made me pay for that drink, and I was content to do it. Oh my God! Shows it like. Do you remember the? like shows at like the jane hotel and it was like you get like two free drinks and it's like well i'm here and i'm having fun i'm gonna get a third and it's like that's twenty dollars for like a fucking whiskey soda one of the biggest indignities is getting a drink ticket and being told it's only good for beer (laughs) (laughs) 
like at a bar that literally is known for making like cocktails and for having like fancy drinks and you are there giving your time away for free for like some asshole in Bushwick to be like eh. <laughs> <laughs> or it actually sometimes uh it's just a specific beer that they've set aside for you yes. oh <laughs> that's the like, worst kind it's like oh. i appreciate that <laughs> but i have plenty of my own pbr uh readily available <laughs> It's it's th- these are the kinds of things you read like not that I you know read um management books or anything but I feel like when you read books that are like about management or about like self help or whatever it's the kind of thing where it's like if someone does that walk away and it's like comedy is a series of people doing all of those things to you and you not being able to walk away <laughs> it's true and you know what the most weird the weirdest thing about it is that the the other alcohol is not that far away in price there's not like if somebody got a bottle of vodka instead of a package of beer we'll be in a better situation <laughs> like one of us at least be able to get drunk right. <laughs> yeah. in the opposite sometimes when things are really generous i'm like very confused and like afraid to take advantage of it because i'm like this can't be real like i'm so used to being like abused through comedy yes, that like this cannot be real that is yes. that's that given love <laughs> I, that sounds like a lack of confidence which i do not have i believe i deserve everything in the entire world and i should be treated much better any chance i'm given so whenever anyone is like this is what we're doing tonight i'm like oh yes i will do two of that if it's allowed <laughs> You know, I respect that confidence so much. Don't have an ounce of it, but I do think it's beautiful in others. Look, taking advantage of situations whenever you can is the best kind of personality to have because it's, um, well, constantly, especially in the world of comedy, it benefits me all the time because the rest of the comedians think so little of themselves. So whenever I do take advantage of stuff, I end up taking the stuff that they decided not to take as well. No, it's so true. We forget that we are surrounded by the most insecure people ever. So all you need to have is like a baseline of confidence and you're, you know, king of the world. And my confidence is not even that high. It's just that I just <laughs> am sure of myself, which is really <laughs> the lowest requirement for confidence. It's to speak with a little bit of authority. <laughs> I'll definitely work on that. I, I, I'll, I'll do a little research into what that could possibly sound like. Yeah. In the 60 plus hours we've spent making this podcast, I wonder if either of us has ever said anything with any authority. <laughs> well, I think we have, but in a joking sort of sort of commenting on what it would sound like if we had authority. Right. Every time I have confidence, I it's a commentary on the idea of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've been there before. I've lived that life and I'm done with it. I'm when did when was the switch for you? The switch? Um, I, I think it was like around 20, I walked by a mirror and I was like, that's exactly right. And it just went from there. (laughs) (laughs) So pretty, pretty young. Well, there's sort of like a, like confidence in certain like social situations. I can, I think my, my lack of confidence in my social anxiety is probably more along the lines of like, uh, dating and stuff like that, but it's never been within like the realms of like stand up comedy, asking for stuff, uh, knowing what I want and when I want it. That stuff I can, I can always do. I often but know if, what I want, but I never know how to ask for it. I also think, Sam, you might be the opposite in that I think you are confident in dating and sexual situations. I am. I am. See, I, I do not have that. I refuse to have it. It doesn't make sense. But, but so what is it like? How is it? What? How does that play out for you, Sam? I, I'm curious. For me? Like, what is it that's different between different kinds of situations where you can be, com- when, where, where 
like you are so super confident in one case and 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 not in the other i feel um like there's lower stakes in like sex and dating like it's all just playful and fun for the most part yeah uh, yeah unless you're like dating seriously whereas like yeah. comedy and career is like this is your entire life you get one right. chance at this shit and it's like whereas as you know i not that i'm very confident in my career but like for instance when i'm writing an email i'm in my element i mean oh i'm having <laughs> i've never seen emails like this before <laughs> And this, you know, I would say that's uh, <laughs> when, when I send an email and Sam is CC'd, I, I just, I think about the idea of Sam reading it and being proud of me. And I'm like, God, I'm like so happy that we get to share this together. <laughs> I really do. And I'll text him like, that's an incredible email. And in fact, when you don't text me that it's a good email, I actually get a little sad. Because <laughs> that's like, actually oh. when I do get a little intimidated is when somebody sends me a very well put together email, I'm like, and I and I freeze up because I'm like, well, my reply would only be a sentence, and I don't want to. <laughs> move of all. That's like you're in college where you someone sends you something. It's like, um, my grandmother just died, and I think I can't hand this in tomorrow. And then it's like a whole paragraph, and then you reply, NP. <laughs> <laughs> and it's wow. such. It's. It feels like it's almost. It's. I'm like, is that insulting that I just sent a one word response, or should I just wait? <laughs> I am like very brief and very casual in my emails in a way that I'm like, I wish I weren't like, I wish I had like sort of the debate style talking for emailing, which I do not have at all. It's just like, these are my immediate thoughts and sure. But that is the paradox with emailing is that actually what you're doing comes across as more confident and more professional than what I'm doing, which is like an elaborate paragraph with like parentheses and, you know, clauses. Yeah, but I think that's sort of important because I've I've come I think people have thought I've been mad at them based on how I respond, which is like I like when it comes to like written like when I'm responding to somebody, it's it's a uh, short, it's to the point with no like, and then somebody's like, "Are you angry?" and I'm like, "Oh no, I just didn't want to waste words." That doesn't mean I'm mad. <laughs> no, I just don't think you're worth my time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't want to. I didn't want to keep doing this. Um, but since we're <laughs> So I end up having to backpedal and be like, add more words to say mm-hmm. things that uh, don't, doesn't sound like you're just going, good job, which is like, yeah. <laughs> it's not enough when somebody sends you a fucking manifesto. <laughs> like you have to, you know, in a, <laughs> if we're talking communication styles, I, it also, and we are, and we are um, phone calls. I have to remind myself to like, like have an an emotion because i will be like cold like in like i will be so empty and i'll be like don't forget they want you to react to what they're saying like i'm just sort of taking in the information and they're like and then i have to actively be like respond in a an emotional way see i love phone calls i'm of the era i'm 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 the initiation of the switch over from uh from text from uh, phone calls to text so i i can be on the phone for an hour with uh with a certain with with the with the rest of the elders i can i can speak for a while and have a, have an absolute great time uh and sort of convey what i what i feel and how what i mean through the sound of my voice uh through the telephone wire when you get over the hump it's like it's good yeah um i like Sydney actually facetimed me last night and it was when i was cooking and i wasn't prepared for a phone call and at first i was like oh what's what's going on here? And then I was like, in my attempt to, because I didn't want it to seem like I was taken off guard. I then like just talked at her for like 20 minutes. (laughs) 
And but then we kind of, but then it like the balance shifted, and then we were able to actually have an hour long conversation. Yeah. And wow. when I thought what I would have done if I if she hadn't called me, I would have just like sat on my phone and looked at sat sat on my you know uh, couch and looked at my phone. I thought, why don't I do this more often? That's um, amazing. I'll tell you why I don't do that very often because it's terrifying. Uh, yeah. Like just randomly putting my face onto the internet. That's that's like I, there there has to be a little bit of work done. Like even if like it's a <laughs> mental preparation of like, is this what you want someone to see you as at the moment? <laughs> if it's gonna be an hour phone call, I do need like a week's notice <laughs> <laughs> because that is like not casual to me. If it's like we need to talk about this thing very quickly, then we can do that uh, in a moment's notice. But an hour. I get very stressed out. And like if I'm at an airport, maybe, but that's yeah. it. See, I just, I, I love phone calls when there's a sharing of information. Like mm, I love, yes. I, especially if you're telling me something, like if somebody's like trying to explain or plans, plan something and it's through text, I'm like, you know, we could have, we could have done oh, this in a phone 100%. call. hundred percent. There's nothing more frustrating. Yes. That, yeah. God. And nothing will drive me crazier than when somebody sends me a voice to text. I'm like, that is <laughs> the, what the is problem? this journey we're going through right here. The voice to text, the technology is just not there. The technology is not there. It's, the technology it is, is not there. The, the way it's a phone call is what it is. It's the technology that's always existed. It's, it's a phone call, but in a very weird way, decide to do a phone call. The way people have decided that that's okay is frightening to me. It makes me think like, oh, all of you would literally jump if someone said jump. Like, because this is available to you, it doesn't mean you have to actually use it. It makes no sense. And then I refuse to participate. So someone will keep texting me voice memos and then I will reply only via text. And it'll just be this conversation that's like a text, a text, a voice memo, a text, a voice memo. That's just, that is... First of all, I, whoever does that to you in your life, you need to call them and tell them to stop Back talking. Twitter. <laughs> Huge shout out to Max Witter, who loves to do this. Oh, that is chaotic. Honestly. honestly no, we'll drop his address soon. Dox his ass. <laughs> send, him a, send him a bunch of voice text. Uh, but yeah, yes, that one, that one. Voice text once and for all. We're done here. <laughs> Um, Sam, what do you think? Are we like nearing the our final segment? I mean, I think we're randomly nearing our final segment. I think we fully unpacked mixology. I think we went in more than we normally do uh, in a way that I think is deserved. I think mixology should be taken down a peg. Um. <laughs> I do think it's almost like mixology is one of those topics that everyone has actually at this point agreed that it's stupid. So I almost feel like we're beating a wounded... Yeah, I'll but spark. nevertheless, she persisted. You know, these bars are still popping up in your your second cities, your your Richmond, Virginias, etc. Oh, and true. I just want to throw this out there. Just a final note: mixology. Every form of scotch should be burned uh, to the ground. It is not a drink. That wow. I'm going to say it, and I mean it with my whole heart. Like, why does it taste a little bit like a fire? I don't understand. <laughs> But Solomon, I do feel like that's the final form of like the gin journey where it's yeah. like when you're you're really tired of everything, you go to scotch. You should have a foot in the grave by that point. <laughs> There's really it is truly it is just it's it's like you can taste the fire it's going to start. Like it is not a pleasant. What battle. is your wait? Sorry, I just want to. Conf- are you just drinking less or are you sober? <sighs> Who knows? Okay. <laughs> I just because I wanted to ask what would your go-to drink be, but I don't want to ask that if you're 
Well, George, my... he's he's sober queer. He's <laughs> blurring what it means to be sober. I'm I'm on a life journey, and wherever it ends, it ends. Um, so I don't want to make any commitments. <laughs> no, I actually do love that. I think it is a weird uh, cultural thing that it's so uh, rigid. Yeah, I yes. think I think I'm I'm probably going to be sticking to it, but uh, I don't want to. You know, I just I want I want to play hard to get. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know that. I yeah, want sobriety like... to earn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I know the feeling actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, I mean, I'm, is... like, I'm thinking back to like my my current drinking habits. Uh, you know, I've been having a pretty good. I mean, tonight notwithstanding, but I've been like uh, not drinking on weeknights, which oh, right. you has been kind of a nice like structured time and then lose it time yeah but also like i'm i'm really not one to judge anyone i literally uh bowed out at white claws so (laughs) (laughs) white claws now there's a mixology there's a no there's a mixology it is truly like it is i feel like that sometimes that gay uh binge drinking is the most masculine thing uh i've ever been a part of and it is well yes (laughs) yeah <laughs> it's it's probably the most it's a, it's a very specific form of toxic masculinity because it's done <laughs> by gay men which is there's plenty of it but that one is like a like i don't i want i want every one of my beverages to be mostly alcohol <laughs> yeah. yeah remember like long island iced teas yeah i used to drink three of them a night when i first started going <laughs> i mean that's like that was me in college it's like uh, like, I'm saving money. Like how? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's actually cheaper. Like it's cheaper, cheaper than what? To get drunk <laughs> as fuck off of two drinks. <laughs> oh god. You know, it's it's a journey and we're all on it. <laughs> we are we are all on. Sometimes I'm like, have I stopped? Am I still on a journey? Am I in motion? I don't know. Like, honestly, life is long, and I hope we all die. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> like, least, I, I, it could tend to be a little shorter. Is how I'm feeling. Lately. <laughs> I mean, uh, not to continue to bring up random things, but uh, I've been doing these like stupid at home Apple workouts or whatever, and they have these like cool downs that are like like mindful, and they'll have like okay, now some let's practice some like gratitude, and I'm like, um, no, I'm not grateful for <laughs> shit. <laughs> when I'm not anywhere like- I want to be. I'm not happy here i'm moving forward gratitude into an otherwise normal situation it's like if i want to be grateful i will make time for that later (laughs) that doesn't need to be part of my workout i i specifically have been oh god it sounds so disgusting because i do i have a peloton and the (laughs) the instructor that i have he says peace and love every time and i say go fuck yourself (laughs) (laughs) but that sounds actually like a really healthy mantra like, yeah, that actually your version of being grateful is knowing like you can always return to your um, disdain for this person saying peace and love. Yes, well, I'm mostly just I I follow his classes because he's the hottest one. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> it is a good is... motivator, unfortunately. So I'm part of the problem. <laughs> well, no. don't don't lie, don't lie. No, Sam, gay just... guys, gay guys can't have problems. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, our best feature. <laughs> Why are the good ones gay? You don't know us, bitch. <laughs> oh my god! Are people like, oh my god. <laughs> sorry, business. Like, <laughs> 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 
Have you met gay or married people? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, yeah. So we should do our final segment. I feel like... I I don't have one, Sam. I'm I'm feeling a little... um... Oh, um, well, Solomon, our final segment is shout-outs. And we give a shout-out to something that we uh, like. Uh, It can be anything in the whole wide world. Um, And sort of in the style of... uh, Imagine it's 2001, you're on TRL, Times Square, and you're shouting out your squad back home. I'll, I I have one. Um, okay, I can I can make one work. Okay, I'll kick us off. Ooh, what's up, listeners? Um, I just want to give a huge shout out to Nightmares. I have it's, it's they're not just for kids anymore. Turns out adults can have them too. Last night I was asleep soundly, woke up yelling, and my dog hopped out of bed. Misha popped up and said, "Jesus Christ!" And, uh, you know, I was just having a nightmare about being attacked. Get over it. Grow up. Why are we having nightmares when we're 30-something? It's terrible. But you got to love it. Life's a thrill. Um, XOXO, Sam. Wow. What's up, listeners? I want to give a quick shout-out to Nicorette Gum. (laughs) I am suddenly addicted to it. I don't know why. I've been struggling with nicotine addiction my whole life, and it's only because one time when I was 15, I wanted to look cool. And now it haunts me to this day. And (laughs) and Nicorette Gum is a great way to get none of the good parts of smoking and also feel like you're doing a bad drug that is always on the verge of giving you a bad trip but never actually goes there which is maybe even worse and then you have it you feel dehydrated you spit it out and then suddenly you want another one and then i do you smell somehow you smell bad even though they smell experiment and uh somehow i'm doing i'm I'm taking more and more of them every day and, and actually it's hindering my work and my personal life and so just a quick shout out to, oh, and also a quick shout out to the one off brand uh, nicotine gum, gum I got once that actually tasted like ash. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right. I guess it's my turn. Uh, hey, I'm Solomon. A uh, quick shout out to uh, Veggie Straws. Uh, <laughs> you think you're chips, but you're twice as gross, which is also very impressive. <laughs> uh, you make me wish Olestra was still around. I'd rather have explosive diarrhea than eat your chucky ass. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Um, oh yeah, they're worse than chips. It's there. It's just. It's one of those things where you're like, ah, the, the mouth journey is not the same. It's mm. Not. It's like they're probably just as bad as chips health wise, and yeah. then they taste they give you none of the satisfaction. Yeah, it's really. I'm like, where where are we going here? Like, I'd rather like it's. I feel like it's the chemicals are better sometimes. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. 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 <sighs> You know, we are a society built on chemicals, and I think we should embrace it and stop fighting who we are. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something mixology does not get. <laughs> oh, well, that's um, because pseudoscience. So. Exactly. <laughs> Real science is actually just poisoning people. <laughs> um, Solomon, it's been a blast. Yeah, <laughs> Solomon, thank you so much for doing this. Out of your actual real life day to to do this. Thank you. Um, so I've been having such a big, I had such a blast. So oh, I'm so glad. Um, well, cheers to all. <laughs> all right. Okay, I'm gonna press stop. Um, <laughs>